0: Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the supporting sponsor of Farm, uh, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Today we are returning to our landmarks of Oncufarm series to talk about ATAC and or Tamoxifen alone, or in combination, and this is a, a landmark breast cancer uh, study in the adjuvant setting for postmenopausal women published uh, originally in Lancet 2002 and a couple updates afterwards, which we will talk about. Now, there's some nuance to it. Um, uh, You know, this is obviously uh, a landmark study for hormone-positive patients in breast cancer, uh, but there's a little bit more to it, and it's really a telltale trial of combining drugs uh, to treat a disease. So this is something that you see pretty often, uh, where one drug works, a second drug works for a disease state, so let's combine them together. Uh, And those gains uh, are diminishing, and especially in the adjuvant setting, it's sometimes hard to see that, which we will see. As you know, we don't use them together, and this is the study that kind of established uh, that there is no added benefit towards adding an AI on top of uh, tamoxifen. Uh, Now, before we get started, at the time, I'm quoting here, at the time that ATAC started, patients with uh, negative or unknown uh, hormone receptor status were thought to derive benefit from hormone-related treatment. So about 16% of patients in this study are actually hormone receptor negative or unknown, as this was an international study and an international standard in some places was not to test for hormone receptor status. so when I do the, the primary results, we'll do the intent-to-treat analysis, which includes those 16%. Now the updated data, you know, 10 years of follow-up, we'll just talk about the hormone-positive patients. So this was, uh, you know, under 10,000, uh, about 9,400 9, patients randomized one-to-one-to-one uh, to, one to, one to either an astrazole, tamoxifen, or the combination for five years. Now this, uh, this study accrued patients from 1996 to 2000, which is right in the kind of the sweet spot of For me, you know, uh, eighth grade uh, through high school. In fact, I put together a playlist a, a while back on Spotify uh, for uh, a high school reunion of my wife. Uh, that if you want to hear the music, maybe I'll share that link, and you'll hear what what we were listening to uh, in the '90s here in America. These are all postmenopausal women, uh, and to be postmenopausal, the definition they used is over the age of 60, or 45 to 59 if they had been amenorrheic for 12 years uh or if less than 12 months of amenorrheic, uh FSH levels at the postmenopausal levels. And the primary endpoint was disease-free survival. Um <clears throat> we do have, you know, the 10-year follow so we can see what the overall survival is long term, which is really what you should do in a uh, in the adjuvant uh, hormone receptor positive study. You should probably wait 10 years before you would see any overall survival benefit. Uh but it was not powered to detect that. And the median age was 64 years. 60% of them were node negative, which means 40% were node positive, and only about 20 to 22% received chemo, which is a little bit puzzling if 40% of the patients were node positive. Different time uh, in, in the late 90s. So if we go to kind of our top line results here. Uh, Disease free survival, the primary endpoint favored anastrazole versus tamoxifen, a p value of 0.013. Uh, and the absolute three-year disease-free survival, and this is from the O2 Lancet publication. Uh, so the three-year disease-free survival rate was 89.4% with anastrozole versus 87.4% with tamoxifen. So that's a, an absolute risk reduction of 2%, easy math, number you need to treat a 50 at three years to prevent one disease-free, uh, either one recurrence of disease or death. Now. So anastrozole was better than tamoxifen for uh, disease-free survival. And it was originally powered to be a non-inferiority state, but they actually showed superiority of AI over tamoxifen with regards to disease-free survival, which again is like the progression-free survival of the adjuvant setting. Now, the numbers in the combination group uh, were the most disappointed an 87.2% uh, three-year disease-free survival rate, which was just barely lower than tamoxifen by itself. So the combination did not have any benefit and trended towards ab- actually being worse than tamoxifen alone. Um, so nashorol was both superior to tamoxifen and the combination for disease-free survival. Um, so you know the a, a number needed to treat of 50 to prevent either uh, one uh, one event, either progression of disease or death. Uh, you know, at three years, a number to treat of fifty for nestrall is a is a is a marginal magnitude of benefit. It's not a home run, which I would say would be a number to treat of less than twenty, especially if overall survival. Uh, but it, you know, it's it's pretty significantly or pretty well below a hundred, uh, and that is the reason that most folks would prefer to treat their patients that would have that have hormone positive. Um, Breast cancer in the adjuvant setting with an AI over tamoxifen based on uh, these uh, improvements in disease-free survival with the AI group. And these have been replicated in in multiple other studies. Now, if we look at the 10-year data, uh, we're just going to look now at the the, uh, hormone-positive patients. So the disease-free survival hazard ratio favors an acetyl at 0.86, p-value 0.003. The death rate, so 23.5% died, um, any cause, any, uh, cause of death, uh, with breast cancer, uh, sorry, <laughs> with national result was 23.5% death rate at 10 years versus 24% with tamoxifen p-value of 0.4. Now, of course, the median age was 64. 10 years later, uh, many of these women would then be 74 or even older. So many of these deaths were natural causes and not due to breast cancer. And if you look at the rates of any recurrence So where would breast cancer recur? It would recur locally if you did a lumpectomy in the same breast. It could return contralaterally in the opposite breast, which might be a second primary, or distant recurrence. So this is all of these recurrent events. This is where you see the biggest benefit of the AI at 10 years. So 24% recurrence rate versus 19.7% recurrence rate. P-value of 0.0002. That's three zeros between the decimal and the two. That's a number need to treat of 23 to prevent any recurrent event. Um, now, the distant recurrent events uh, that ma- magnitude of benefit favoring a national was smaller, 17.7% versus 15.1%. Also statistically significant, a number need to treat of 30. Uh, and we worry maybe a little bit more about a distant recurrent event because we would probably consider that incurable. Um, some might argue that um, for many of these women with hormone-positive breast cancer, especially the elderly. Uh, This is an indolent disease. Um, So uh, even a distant recurrence, uh, many of these women would die with that breast cancer instead of from it, uh, depending on the biology of the tumor. So, you know, when you recap the efficacy, there's a modest benefit in preventing recurrence with AI versus tamoxifen based on ATAC. No no difference, no uh, added advantage to adding combination, uh, but there's also no overall survival benefit in the long run. So what that means is most of us would prefer to put these women on an AI versus tamoxifen. But if they have a good reason they don't want to take an AI, you feel pretty good about tamoxifen because it's also, at, you know, before AIs came along, the gold standard for treating these patients. So a lot of uh, the selection of agents very much can come down to toxicity. And this study gives us a really nice illustration of the different toxicity profiles uh, between these drugs. Now, there's a lot of overlap but that overlap uh, does have some um, some differences in magnitude. So the two biggest uh, you know side effects that you worry about with any hormonal therapy in these patients are hot flashes and then arthralgias and myalgias. Uh, and both tamoxifen and AIs can do this. But as we see here, 34% of women had hot flashes with anastrozole versus 40% with tamoxifen. So tamoxifen tends to cause more hot flashes, whereas AIs tend to cause more arthralgias and myalgias. And we saw that 28% of women had uh, arthralgias or myalgias with anastrozole versus 21% with tamoxifen. So these are not insignificant differences between the agents. So, uh, and, and for example, with AIs, arthralgias, myalgias are one of the, if not, I think actually from data, they are the most common reason for not adherence, not completing your, your full five years or, or longer of adjuvant therapy. Women stopped taking it because of arthralgias, myalgias. Tamoxifen does have a lower rate uh, and is a reasonable to try Similarly, if a woman can't tolerate tamoxifen due to hot flashes, an AI has a lower rate of hot flashes and may be uh, something that's worthwhile. Uh, So, And all of these I'm going through are statistically significant differences in toxicity rate. There was more vaginal bleeding in the tamoxifen group, 8% versus 4.5%. More endometrial cancer in the tamoxifen group, as you would expect. Tamoxifen, as we all know, is estrogenic in the bones, in the blood, and in the endometrium while being anti-estrogenic in the breast. So it's not surprising that there's more endometrial cancer. Now the rates are low, 0.5% with tamoxifen versus 0.1%. Very low rate, that's a number you treat of 250 uh, over three years. So there is you know, a five-fold higher risk of endometrial cancer, but the absolute risk is still very low. Uh, more ischemic strokes uh, in the tamoxifen group, 2.1 versus 1%, number needed a harm of uh, 90. Sorry, numbering a harm of 250 for endometrial cancer. Uh, VTE, 2.1%, up to 3.5% with tamoxifen, numbering a harm of 42 uh, Fractures, more with an astro- or more with anastrozole, five point nine percent versus three point seven percent. Again, tamoxifen is estrogenic in the bone. Actually, has some added benefit. If you look in the combination group, the fracture rate is right in between, um, somewhere like four point three percent. It's between the the low rate of three point seven percent with tamoxifen to five point nine with nas- anastrozole. Otherwise, the combination uh, toxicity data just kind of mirror uh, the toxicity of of the of the parent or the the drug that is most toxic. So the the hot flash rate is is closer to the tamoxifen hot flash rate, for example. Uh, and then surprisingly, cataracts were similar between both groups, 3.5% versus 3.7%. This contrasts, I believe, with data from the P1 study, which was a prevention study, or uh, and some other studies showing that tamoxifen has higher rates of cataracts versus placebo. Um, so what we see here, uh, and this is something that if... Uh, you know, you've worked in oncology for a while, you know, but if if you're new to oncology or, or say you're a student, um, these are the, the, the anti-cancer drugs you are most likely to see in practice or dispense from a pharmacy. So it's really important to, to consider these. So tamoxifen and anastrozole or letrozole or exemestane or other AIs, they're, they're anti-hormonal agents, but they have this shared toxicity profile with hot flashes, and, uh, arthrogic and vaginal bleeding, but they are differences. So again, tamoxifen has more of the hot flashes. AIS have more arthralgias, myalgias. Tamoxifen higher risk of endometrial cancer, although it's the absolute risk is very small. Uh, tamoxifen has higher risk of, uh, Uh, ischemic and thromboembolic events, so stroke and VTE make sense. Tamoxifen is estrogenic in the blood, think about hormonal contraceptive as a risk factor for VTE. Uh, And the fracture risk is modestly higher as well in the anastrozole group. Um, So, you know, locally, uh, you know, what I see a lot are are, you know, the default will be to use an AI, uh, unless patients have a, um, uh, you know, history of osteoporosis or fractures, in which case they would use tamoxifen. Let's say if a patient who does have a fracture risk but also has AFib and has had a stroke, um, well, then maybe you would still you know, risk the bone mineral density loss with the AI but add in a bisphosphonate or denosumab uh, for some bone protection to avoid the increased stroke risk of tamoxifen, which, which is, uh, again, number you to harm 90. It's not nothing. Um, so it's kind of in the same ballpark as the number needed to treat. Uh, with AI versus tamoxin for the three-year disease-free survival. So that's ATAC. Uh, landmark study. First one we've done um, uh, with an, uh, an aromatase inhibitor. Uh, and again, this study was started in 96 and ASHRAW was FDA approved in 95. So this came very quickly to study it in the adjuvant setting after it was FDA approved. So that's what we have today uh, as far as the landmark study. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, feel free to follow me On Twitter at FarmDeetna, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. If you have ideas or questions for other episodes, feel free to, to shoot me a message and we will try to accommodate what we can during this time. Until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.